Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. One of the things that binds Ben and me together is our love of stories. We collect stories the way other people do Hummel dolls or beer steins. We line them up on the shelves of our minds, hold them up in varying lights, and see how they change. They are the bones of our family, the warm and moving blood of our friendships, and the telling of them is an art of its own. I had wanted to be a novelist my entire life, but those everyday stories were the closest I'd ever gotten. They were an outlet for narrative when being an author still seemed so impossible that it felt like someone else's dream. Erica Bauermeister, House Lessons. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm channeling my inner Fraser Crane for another round of literary therapy. I've got five readerly dilemmas I'll be working through today, and if you've got your own bookish conundrum to share, you can visit fromthefrontporchpodcast.com forward slash contact to leave me a voicemail. We may feature your message in an upcoming episode. Now, without further ado some literary therapy. Hi, excuse the quarantine sounds of my children who have been in the apartment for five weeks now. My dilemma is I am a all over the place reader. So looking at my Goodreads challenge from last year, my five star rated books was Reading People by Anne Bogle, You and Me Forever, Francis Chan, Garlic and Sapphires by... Ruth Reichel, and A Woman is No Man by Etoff Rum. And on my like bookstagram, I see that there's a lot of different genres like literary fiction and this type of fiction and this nonfiction. And I just don't know where my sweet spot is or where to hone in on what type of reader I am. So that's my dilemma. Hi, Deja. It was nice to hear your family and your kids in the background because it was a reminder that so many of us are still, life is still weird. (laughs) Like we're still doing things at home. Summer is here, but has anything changed? Hard to say. Uh, So I liked hearing kind of what's going on in your house right now. You ask a really interesting question, which basically, if I'm hearing you correctly, is kind of what's your sweet spot for literature? You kind of feel like you read all over the place. And to be honest, I actually think that's a great way to be. I'm not so sure that this is a dilemma so much as it's kind of an investigating what you like and why you like it. I think a lot of us readers kind of want to pinpoint exactly what genres are for us. But I love that all of the books you mentioned are very different from one another. I have noticed, though, that when I love books, and often they're across genres, right? So I love graphic novels, I love memoirs, I love literary fiction, I love nonfiction. 
when I look at the books though, I do see themes that I like. And so I wonder if maybe instead of trying to pinpoint a genre that's for you, I wonder if it might be fun for you to kind of look at what are the commonalities that these books share? What are the themes? For me, it's themes, but for you though, it might be writing style or narrative. So I kind of looked at the books you mentioned briefly, and I was familiar with some of them. You actually reminded me that I really want to finish A Woman Is No Man, which is a book I picked up last year and did not finish just because of time. Uh, And so thank you for that reminder. But I did look at them and I wondered if the themes that stick out to me are books about family and personal relationships. When I look at the books that I like across genres, I have found, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, that I am drawn to books that deal with faith, with family, with belonging, identity and home. Like those are kind of the themes I'm really drawn to. And I wonder if for you, if we're looking at themes rather than genres, what strikes me is that you might like books about family and personal relationships, whether that's friendships or marriages. And so I immediately wondered if you have read like A Place for Us or there's an upcoming new book that I really am liking so far. I'm about halfway through called Motherland. Um, that I think you would really like based on what I'm seeing in your in your favorites you listed. Molly Weisenberg, she's got a new book coming out in August, but she has a great book called Delancey, a great memoir all about kind of her marriage and starting a business. And I guess if I were you, I might ask a different question. So instead of what's maybe my favorite literary genre, or what's kind of my sweet spot for literature, maybe ask yourself, what writing styles do I like? What themes do I notice? Because I do think there are commonalities in what your favorites are. Uh, I think there's probably a Venn diagram with quite a bit of overlap amongst these titles, even though they look at first glance like they have nothing to do with one another. And maybe that could be a fun summer quarantine activity, (laughs) is you could sit down and kind of sketch out here are the books I like, here's where they overlap. And so I think that would then help you find the best books to read next. So maybe ask yourself instead of what's my favorite literary genre, maybe what are themes or writing styles that I find myself coming back to over and over again? Hi, Annie, a longtime shopper and current listener. I was just wondering, do you ever feel decision fatigue and deciding what to read next? I am just so backlogged in books and I'm just having a hard time deciding what book to read next. How do you decide? Hi, Ashley. Look, you are not alone. I think decision fatigue is real all the time, but especially right now. I think literary questions of what should we read next are just the tip of the iceberg in terms of how we are all feeling kind of fatigued or overwhelmed. There's a lot happening. And so it's not surprising that you might not know which book to pick up next. For me, my work often dictates what I need to be reading. In the past weekend, I finished my July shelf subscription. I finished part four of Anna Karenina. I read an upcoming thriller. And I read a babysitter's book club book. And then I started another book, which I'll talk about later in the episode. So there was a lot happening this weekend, but I knew that for work, I had to find a shelf subscription. I had to read for babysitter's book club and I had to read Anna Karenina. Like, so I was forced to read those things thanks to work. For you, that's going to look different, right? Unless you too own a bookstore, in which case let's talk. But I think... One thing to kind of maybe take some guilt off of your shoulders 
is to ask yourself what you want to read. It sounds like you've got quite the backlog, and I think a lot of us do. A lot of us love buying books or checking books out from the library, and so we wind up with like a giant stack by our beds and then still not knowing what to read next. So one of my tips that I practice in my own reading life is I just have one book on my nightstand at a time, just one. And visually that helps me know this is the book I'm reading right now. It doesn't mean I don't pick up other books, but it helps kind of limit the clutter and the brain clutter. I also pay attention to my personal reading mood. Um, Part of the reason I picked up a thriller this weekend was because I knew I wanted to finish a book (laughs) and I had been in a little bit of a slump and I felt like this thriller by an author I trusted, I could kind of fly through. I also think it's important to pay attention to what's going on in the world and to be able to participate in conversations that are happening and to be able to formulate opinions and thoughts and to realize where we stand on an issue or what we think. And so that has dictated my own reading life in the past few weeks. I picked up I'm Still Here and Just Mercy, like two books that have been on my bookcases for a long time but books I had either started or hadn't finished or had read bits and pieces of, but hadn't read the whole thing. So I think look at your mood, ask yourself what you want to be reading. Then maybe look at your bookcases and it's okay to do a little bit of culling. It's, a, it's okay to do a little bit of weeding out and to say, you know what? I'm never going to read this and it's okay to put it away or it's okay to put it away for now and to not let it be on the nightstand or to not let it be on the shelf kind of taunting you. Narrow down and keep one book on your nightstand. Look at what's happening in the world and kind of ask yourself, what could I be reading now to kind of educate myself on this? I also really truly believe, and I know this is so cheesy sounding, but I do believe it. I believe books find you when they're meant to. So that maybe might help you also with decision fatigue, but also maybe with, oh no, what if I miss the latest hottest book or What if, if I don't buy this book now, or if I don't check this book out now, I'll never read it. I don't think that's true. Keep a list on your phone, or I frequently, when I see a book on Instagram I want to read, I save it. I have a folder on my Instagram so that I can go back and realize, oh, you know what? I wanted to read that ages ago, and now I think it's finally time. The final little tip I have for you, Ashley, is to maybe also alternate. So I mentioned the books I read this weekend. And if you notice, I kind of alternated. So I read my book for shelf subscription because I had to, like I needed to find a book and it was almost like trying to do homework, which I happen to really like homework. So it's fine. But then I read a thriller, like a thriller that I truly finished in a couple of sittings. And then I picked up Anna Karenina. So I alternated like the have to's with the want to's. And what's fun is that sometimes the have to's wind up becoming the books I love. I finished part four of Anna Karenina today, actually, and wound up loving it, even though it was something that I kind of felt forced into at the time. So maybe alternate and maybe read a book based on your mood and then read a book that you feel like you kind of have to read, either because it's been sitting on your shelf forever or because maybe it's long overdue. And maybe go back and forth between a book that you really want to read and a book like you feel like you have to read. And again, I think sometimes the books that we feel like we have to read can wind up becoming some of our favorites. So those are my tips. I hope they're not overwhelming because I know a lot of us are already kind of overwhelmed. And I know that decision fatigue is real, especially when it comes to literature, but maybe take a deep breath and take some of the pressure off and try some of these tips. I hope they help. Hi, Annie. It's Rachel from Topeka, Kansas, and I'm calling in today with a literary therapy question. 
So my husband and I are in the process of buying a home and it is definitely a fixer-upper. So we've got several months of work ahead of us um, before we will be ready to move in. And so I would really love uh, a couple of books about home and about renovating a home, interior design, making a house into a home, the importance of home, those kind of things. Uh, I'm looking for fiction, memoir-ish sort of books. I've got quite a big stack of nonfiction, more practical books, um, some of which I ordered from the bookshelf. Um, you guys put together a fabulous custom order for me that arrived this morning, and I've just been I've just been going nuts over the books. They make me so happy. So I got Mad About the House by Kate Watson-Smythe, Elements of Style by Aaron Gates, and the How to Decorate book from Pharaoh and Ball. And those have been really great, and I love them for sure. But I would also really love stories about home and stories about renovating, stories about interior design, that kind of thing. So I know that's kind of an odd request, but I figure if anybody can find books in that genre, it's you. Thanks. Rachel, your question came at the perfect time. First of all, I'm very glad and grateful for your order, and I'm so glad it arrived to you in one piece. I feel like we send these packages into the world and really just on a hope and a prayer uh, that they make it to all of you in one piece. We love the U.S. Postal Service, and we are grateful for them, but they have a lot on their plates right now. And so we have had, I think like every small business, our own little issues with things getting lost or arriving haphazard or damaged or whatever. So I'm so glad your books arrived to you safely and in one piece. And I hope they help you as you navigate this move and this new space. I actually think your question came at the perfect time because I just finished a book that I quoted from at the top of the episode that I think you are going to love. I read this book on the recommendation of a listener and customer. So Lori, thank you for this. I read the book House Lessons by Erica Bauermeister maybe last weekend. This is a book I truly had not heard of until Lori ordered a couple of copies from us. And then I think in the notes of her order said, I think Annie would really like this book. And so I ordered myself one and I'm so glad I did. It is written by a woman who is renovating a home with her husband in the Pacific Northwest. The book beautifully weaves kind of memoir um, because this is a true story, the true story of how her family renovated a home. So it weaves memoir, but also really interesting tidbits about architecture and interior design and kind of pulls from a variety of sources and a variety of histories. And I loved it. I just felt so in awe of it. I thought it was so well-written, but also weirdly comforting. Home is something that's really important to me. I know it's important to probably a lot of listeners. And so I found this book almost inexplicably comforting. And when I heard your voice message, I immediately was like, oh, I'm so glad I read this. This will be perfect. So House Lessons by Erica Bauermeister is kind of my first recommendation. And it's the one I think that most applies here. But I did want to just run through a couple of titles that I thought might also be enjoyable. I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith. This is a book I read as an adult. It missed me in childhood, but I truly love it. It is about a young girl living in kind of a dilapidated, falling apart, uh, historic castle, home, whatever terminology you want to use. And it's just her adventures there. It was very reminiscent of like an Anne of Green Gables or Emily of New Moon or something like that. Um, maybe A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. But I adored it and I thought it might be fun for you to read right now. It's not necessarily about how she, you know, straightens up the castle or how she makes it her home. 
but it is kind of about her imagination and it does touch on these themes of making a place your own. I long ago fell in love, I mean, many, many moons ago with Gretchen Rubin and her work. I have not maybe completely kept track of all that Gretchen Rubin does. I know she's got a podcast and I think she's had a book recently about habits. But for me, my favorite of her books was The Happiness Project. And then she wrote a sequel called Happier at Home. I still practice a couple of the things I learned from Happier at Home. And I thought, Rachel, there might be a few things in there for you as well kind of about creating little spots of remembrance, of having these little places in our home where we can remember and look back on trips or vacations and having happy memories in our home. I really liked a lot of the principles. It's very, very similar and reminiscent to the happiness project. So it's almost, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Repetitive. But if you haven't read her books in a while, or if you are not familiar with her, her work, then I think happier at home will have some elements that could really help you as you as you make your house a home. For fiction, again, I like Strangers and Cousins by Leah Hager-Cohen. This is a book I read and actually was my shelf subscription last year. It is about a family who has this beautiful home, but it's kind of falling apart. And their daughter's wish is to have her wedding at this home. And so she and her artist friends kind of have this very quirky, creative, artistic wedding there. And in the meantime, the family is kind of figuring out how do we coexist with these Hasidic Jews who have moved into the neighborhood and they've kind of moved their families. And what does family look like for for people whose culture maybe looks different from our own? I thought the book was very smart and fun. It had characters I really fell in love with. So it's fiction. Again, this is not going to kind of tell you how to renovate your house. This is more if you like books where a house takes center stage, then I think Strangers and Cousins will be for you. Actually, along those same lines is Unsheltered by Barbara Kingsolver. That wasn't one that I had originally written down, but that book also kind of takes a look at a, at a home and goes back and forth between, it's a quiet book, it is not for everyone, but it goes back and forth between kind of two generations of families living in this house and you get to see the house is kind of the center of it all. And I, I really love a book where the house is a character in and of itself. This is Where You Belong is a book by Melanie Warnick. It's more about finding community and building a neighborhood and building a, uh, you know, finding a group of people that you really love and finding and building a life that you love. She kind of writes all about finding home in her small town. So I thought that could also apply. And then a last book that admittedly is not perfect. And it is, it is one of those books where you kind of have to read it and find find the truth in it, but it is a book that I read a long time ago and really liked it for what it was. Um, it's called The Hidden Art of Homemaking by Edith Schaefer. This is very much a book written from a Christian worldview. So if that is not your worldview, then this will not be for you and I wouldn't recommend it. Not everything Edith Schaefer says in this book is something that I personally espouse to or agree with, but there are some really interesting things. It's the cover even kind of can tell you like this is a book from the 70s or the 80s. And so I'm sure not everything in this book is for you. Not all of it was for me. But there are some really interesting things in here about creativity and making a house a home. It almost reminds me of um, a book I've referenced a lot here called Supper of the Lamb, how Supper of the Lamb deals with food, hidden art of homemaking deals with home. And so I remember reading this book and I flipped through my copy today, which is why I can say that I don't know that I agree with everything in there. It's been years since I've read it, but some of the principles about making your house 
a place full of hospitality and warmth and kindness for the people that you welcome into it. I think some of that is still really relevant. And so it's called The Hidden Art of Homemaking. It won't be for everyone, but it's by Edith Schaefer and might be worth checking out as well. I hope you love your new place. Hi, this is Hallie here in Greenville, South Carolina. And my question for literary therapy was, do not finish guilt. Uh, Do I have to finish a book before I can judge them? I'm just always expecting the ending to validate everything. Hallie, I think we all struggle with do not finish guilt. Some of us more than others. Maybe it has to do with our personality types. Who knows? But maybe for those of us who loved school and who loved getting gold stars from our teachers, uh, we really like finishing things. I myself, speaking of Gretchen Rubin, I did take like her, you know, tendencies quiz or something like that. And I know that I'm a completionist. I love finishing things. And in fact, I think I referenced earlier in the episode, the importance of finishing books to me, like being able to finish something and feel like I accomplished something. But life is too short to read books that we hate. It just is. And I think Gretchen Rubin or Anne Bogle or some woman who is more prolific and uh, wiser than I, I think said that. Uh, I, I feel like I got that from somewhere. I, over the past seven years, I guess, since running the bookshelf, have learned that I cannot finish every book I start. It, it doesn't even mean I don't like the book anymore. Sometimes it just means I don't have time for this. And sometimes it just means I don't have time for this right now, but I might later. So here's what I recommend for you. Um, I think one of your questions was, you know, can I judge a book that I haven't finished? I do hesitate to do that publicly, meaning if I haven't finished a book, then I probably, in fact, I don't think I've ever reviewed a book on Instagram that I haven't finished. If I'm reviewing a book on Instagram, it's because I've finished it. Books that I don't finish, I generally don't put on Instagram. I might talk about them on the podcast, but I think I always do that by saying, I didn't finish this, but... Just because it's hard, right, to judge a book until you're totally finished with it. I would make sure you're examining why you do or don't like something. So similar to kind of Deja's question, kind of look at the books maybe that you don't feel a desire to finish. Like maybe you feel guilt to finish, but you don't have a desire to finish them. Maybe look at those books and kind of ask yourself, okay, what is it? Is it the timing? Because look, quarantine has messed all of our reading rhythms up. Is it quarantine? Is it the state of the world? Is it that there's a lot going on and this feels too fluffy or this feels too hard? Ask yourself kind of what it is that makes you not want to finish and maybe let that be your guide. I don't think we have to finish every book we start. I do think it's important to kind of look at a book and to ask ourselves, why don't we like this? And, or, or what do we like about it? What is pushing me to finish this one? Um, I also think this is why really great reviews are important, whether you trust a bookstagrammer or Kirkus reviews or Indie Next or something like that, kind of looking at reviews to kind of tell yourself, "Mm, you know what? Nope, this isn't for me. Or, okay, yes, I will press on. I will keep going. I mentioned Unsheltered by Barbara Kingsolver earlier. That's a great example of a book I know for a fact many of my customers hated (laughs) and loathed, but it is a book I really loved. And, but it is a slow moving book. And so I knew to finish that, to like keep going because other readers I trusted finished it. So I think the, I think it's really important too to have friends or fellow readers whose tastes you trust. And again, that may be coming from a reviewer. It may be coming from Instagram. It may be coming from a beloved bookseller or librarian, but I would 
let those kind of help guide your decision making into whether something is worth finishing or not. You know, I even hesitate to use that language like worth finishing because books are so subjective and it's really based on right what's happening in our lives. I have talked about this, I think, many moons ago on the podcast, but the first time I read Pride and Prejudice, I think I was like in the 10th or 11th grade and I desperately wanted to love it because you've got mail (laughs) and Kathleen Kelly. I wanted to be just like Kathleen Kelly and I couldn't do it. I didn't like it. I couldn't get into it. And now I look back and I'm like, of course you couldn't get into it. You were not in a time in your life when you really could read a lot for fun. You were reading for school. You were drowning in applying for colleges, et cetera, et cetera. And then the summer after my freshman year of college, I picked it back up again and loved it. So I think that's the other thing is books don't always, we kind of have to give books a chance again. Like I was saying for, I think it was Ashley, like you kind of have to figure out what books are right for you in a given moment and in a given time. So go easy on yourself. Try not to buy into FOMO. Is that what people say? (laughs) the fear of missing out or guilt over not reading maybe the hottest, latest book or not finishing something you don't like. Instead, ask yourself and kind of do some self-examining, which I love to do. Like I love self-analyzing and figuring out why don't I like this or why do I love this? And then kind of let that help you decide what is, um, what is for you to finish and what is for you to wait on or what is for you to give up forever. And it's okay. Hi, I'm Becca. I live in McLean, Virginia. I'm afraid to read books over 500 pages. I get most of my books from the library, so what if I can't finish it before it's due? And what if I don't like it? I don't want to invest so much time reading a 1,000-page book if it's only a three-star read. Guys, so many of these questions are so good. Becca, I am in the middle, as I mentioned, I'm in the middle of reading Anna Karenina. And so I do have some tips for you in kind of tackling these bigger books and conquering a classic, as, as Hunter and I have termed it on Patreon. I'm going to echo some of the advice I think I gave to Hallie, which is make sure you're researching and relying on reviewers you trust or readers you know and love. So you are absolutely right. Time is precious for all of us. I think for some of us in quarantine, our time has expanded. And for some of us, our time has lessened because we're at home with our kids or work has gotten more stressful or whatever. So dedicating yourself to a 500 or 700 page book is a lot. Like, so I am with you. I understand that. It doesn't make you a bad person to be like, I don't have time to read this ginormous book. But I do think if you are interested in reading books that are 500 or more pages, I think there are some practical ways to do this. So the first is to research and rely on reviewers you trust. Listen to their voices, read their reviews so that you can know which ones are worth you tackling and which ones maybe you don't need to worry about right now. Again, these reviews could come from the internet or, I don't know, magazines or book influencers or librarians or booksellers or even better, someone who knows you and your reading tastes in real life. I still think, and I think I've said this before, I still think that's the best way to know what books are right for you is to talk to people who actually know you and know your reading tastes. Okay, once you've done that and you kind of are relying on reviewers you trust, I would think about, and this this may be crazy, but I think maybe supplement by listening to an audiobook. That might help. It sounds like you check out a lot of your books from the library, which is awesome, but there probably is that pressure to finish a book by its due date, right? And these tomes that you're reading, you may not be able to finish in time. So in those moments where you're, I don't know, loading the dishwasher or vacuuming or 
going on a walk or driving to work, maybe you could be supplementing your in-person reading with listening. I am not a huge audiobook listener, but I do really like listening to nonfiction. And I have found that occasionally, and I've tried this with a couple of books, I don't mind maybe reading it physically because that's my preferred way to read is to read the physical book. Uh, but then maybe if I'm driving in my car and I really, you know, want, want to kind of knock out more pages or whatever, listening to it might also help you. And I don't know if you're an audiobook listener, but I did want to throw that out there that it is okay to, to tackle a book in multiple formats. And, and maybe for you, that's ebook reading as well. I am not a huge ebook reader, but I know a lot of people who are. And so maybe you don't want to tote your ginormous copy of Anna Karenina around, but when you're at the doctor's office, you're reading a chapter on your phone or whatever. Um, so supplement by listening to an audiobook or reading on an ebook so that you kind of are reading the book in multiple formats. I actually think that might keep your interest up too. Um, so that's one option. I love tackling big books with a friend. And I don't know if this would have always been the case, but I think like you, Becca, I don't, I'm not super drawn to big, thick books, partly because of time, partly because of my job. I feel like I have to read a large quantity. And so if I'm reading a larger book, I kind of get get stuck in it, right? Hunter has been a friend who I know I can read alongside. So last year we read East of Eden, which wound up being one of my favorite books I've ever read. And then this year we're reading Anna Karenina together, which again is phenomenal. I just told my husband, it's so good, but I wouldn't have picked it up without reading alongside a friend. And I have a lot of friends who do this. And I think it's popular on Instagram too, right? Buddy reading or reading alongside another person. Uh, you can hold each other accountable. You can you can encourage one another when you get stuck. Uh, so maybe find a friend. Once you've found the, the tome that's right for you, maybe find somebody who you can read it with. Part of the other reason for this is I think a lot of us feel... I anyway, I guess I won't speak for everyone else. I feel most comfortable tackling a big book like that when I have a little bit of help. And when I was in school, that help came from professors, right? And now I don't have professors and my little, you know, nerd heart breaks over that. But instead I do have wise and thoughtful friends and fellow readers who can read alongside with me and who can help me kind of discuss interesting things about these big books we're tackling. So read alongside a friend. Another option is just maybe, even though you prefer getting most of your books from the library, maybe once you've settled on a on a classic or once you've settled on, maybe it doesn't even have to be a classic, maybe it's just a big, thick book, a little life or something like that. Maybe you decide you're gonna buy that book because you're gonna really, it's like an investment. Um, you're going to spend a lot of time with it. You're going to dog ear the pages, unless that's sacrilege to you, in which case don't. Uh, but, but you're going to underline things or you're going to mark things with book darts to let yourself know what quotes are important to you or what have you. So maybe you consider purchasing the big classic or the big tome instead of getting it from your local library. The last thing I'll recommend is rewarding yourself. And maybe this is silly, but finishing a big book like that is a big deal. Um, I think the lazy genius Kendra Adachi talks about the importance of opening and closing ceremonies. I think this is a concept she's talked about on her Instagram stories or in her podcast. And I really love the idea of when you finish a big book, celebrate it. And for me, that has meant recording a podcast episode because a lot of times I'm reading it for 
for the work we do, but kind of celebrating something. One of the things Hunter and I have agreed to do after we finish reading Anna Karenina is we're going to read Anna Kay, which is kind of a new young adult retelling of the story. And we're going to do that kind of as a reward. Maybe for you, it means you're going to watch the movie adaptation or you're going to buy yourself a donut. I don't know. Uh, but kind of having a, an end in sight so that, man, this thing that is really like last year when I finished East of Eden, I felt so accomplished, <laughs> which maybe sounds ridiculous. But I really did feel like, oh, I did it. <laughs> I read this big book that I've been putting off for years that I didn't feel like I could do. It wound up being one of my favorite books I've ever read. And I'm so glad I did it. So research so that you can pick the right one. Supplement your reading with listening to like an audiobook or even reading an ebook format. Read alongside a friend. Consider purchasing the book if you want to alleviate that pressure of kind of finishing it by a deadline. And reward yourself. I did look on my bookshelf to kind of see. And obviously I've talked a lot today about Anna Karenina, but last year I read East of Eden. A Little Life is one of my favorite books I've read over the last 10 years. Um, the Poisonwood Bible is one I read years ago and really enjoyed, and it is over 500 pages. Uh, David Sedaris, I really love his journals, Theft by Finding, uh, his journal entries in that book, and that is quite a tome, but would be a great audiobook. So those are just some recommendations for maybe big books to help get you started. I hope that helps, Becca. And also, it's okay. You don't have to read them either. <laughs> I feel like I should go ahead and say that. You don't have to read them. But if you have a desire to, and you have one that you've really kind of got your heart set on or that you'd like to try, those are some tips for trying one. And that is it for this week's episode of Literary Therapy. I hope that I was able to help tackle some of your bookish dilemmas. Again, if you have a question or a dilemma all your own, you can go to fromthefrontporchpodcast.com forward slash contact and you can leave me a voicemail and maybe I will get to tackle your own dilemma in a future episode. Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing, and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading A Burning by Mecca Majumdar. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly shelf life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic and receive free shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.